Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans. Welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar so maybe you never quite learn anything maybe we never enlighten you but hopefully you have a good time listening so today we are continuing our sharks 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 month with the 2012 film bait <laughs> uh which is directed by kimball randall uh, who also did a film called seven guardians of the tomb which i would not recommend <laughs> uh and it was written by russell mulcahy uh who actually you know didn't have a lot of writing credits i wanted to mention but did direct the film highlander as well as a lot of other interesting credits um, what? yeah and, and it was also written by uh john kim and, and there's, there's a long list here <laughs> with additional writing by duncan kennedy who also worked on deep blue sea Justin Monjo, who did the film uh, Jungle, Shane Armstrong, and S.P. Cross, who did the film The Darkness, which <laughs> is not very good either. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a long list of writers there. You know, I think what this is here is I, I think the script was mostly written by Russell Mulcahy and John Kim. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, this happens with almost every film you see, you know, a whole slew of writers are brought in to do different things with the script touch it up here <laughs> add a death scene there rewrite that death there you know that kind of stuff and, and i think in this case you know all these writers either did enough to get an additional credit put on their imdb <laughs> or uh they might have also just really wanted to help sell the film and be like hey the deep blue sea guy worked on this <laughs> look at how many people worked on this film yeah like most scripts you read you know you only see like one or two writers credited yeah. but the chances are that script's been through like 20 writers <laughs> <laughs> by the time it gets to theaters so <laughs> but anyway so it was written directed by them um uh, and it's basically kind of crawl but with sharks in a convenience store so it yeah it, it involves uh, a group of people who become trapped in a convenience store after a tsunami tidal wave floods the place and you know traps them in there and uh they soon discover that they are trapped in there with two at least 12 foot great white sharks so yeah, like you do <laughs> like you do um so anyway before we get into that we do have our usual spoiler free content so uh and we'll let you know when we're getting the spoilers with this but so as far as what's coming out this week speaking of sharks uh there's a film called great whites uh which is coming the vod and these will all be out by the time you're listening to this uh, so Great White, and this film is basically another Great White trapping people kind of movie that that involves <laughs> a uh, small group of charter or, or uh, a charter group that uh, goes to an island to do whatever, and then they end up stranded and trapped on this raft in the middle of the ocean and hunted by a couple of Great Whites. <laughs> <laughs> great Whites are the only sharks that can hunt people. Yeah. I'd like it. I mean, I thought the film was lacking in some areas. Like, it's got some kind of forced character stuff and some really bad digital shark mayhem. <laughs> um, Ooh, that's always my favorite. Yeah, well, you've seen Great White. You watched this one with me. I, I, I thought those sharks in it were pretty good. Uh, I like them. Occasionally they were fine, but there were some really bad digital <laughs> sharks in that movie. Like, really bad. Like, Sharknado level bad. Well, I like <laughs> Which, the sharks in Sharknado. Well, so, so do I, I. But, you know, there's a difference when, like, you know, what works about Sharknado is that whole movie is intentionally awful. It knows it's awful, right? And... <laughs> And, and and the sharks are consistently bad. <laughs> the 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 problem with a film like Great White is Great White takes itself very seriously. It's not meant to be something like Sharknado. Yeah. And when you're intercutting these really bad digital sharks with decent looking and sometimes real sharks, 
the effect is palpable. Like, you, you, you sense a difference, you know? And, and it, and it kind of throws off the audience. But anyway, um, so yeah, Great White is fine. I, I would say if you really like shark movies, it's worth checking out for that. I don't think it's a bad movie, as I've seen a lot of critics just totally bash it. No. I, I don't think it's awful by any means. It's just it's just your average shark film, you know? Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't do anything special, but it doesn't... You know, it doesn't totally sink under its own weight either. So, but anyway, so there's that. There's also Fear Street Part 3, 1666, uh, which is the third film in the Netflix Fear Street trilogy, which both Chris and I have really been enjoying. And this Part 3, basically, quick spoiler for, I guess, Parts 1 and 2. So if you haven't seen those, maybe skip ahead by like, you know, a minute. But (laughs) but it, it basically sees... Dina going back to 1666 and basically kind of living uh, through what Seraphir went through. And we kind of, you know, end up like learning exactly what happened with the history yeah. of this town. And, and you know, I won't say much else than that because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But uh, I loved 1666. I thought it was great. It's, yeah. it's very different from the first two in the sense that this is not a slasher film. You know, the other two are slashers. This mm-hmm. is more kind of your traditional sort of supernatural witchcraft crazy shit happening in a small town kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it's really good i really enjoyed it it it's one of those films where like i don't necessarily think it does anything that different but what it's great about it is you know i love the characters of dina and sam and Mm -hmm. we basically kind of go back in time and see them sort of together again only this time as sarah and a character named hannah yeah and it's just really great like if you're if you like these characters it's just really great to kind of watch this you know love story that's basically spanned time (laughs) all this time right so um but it's a really satisfying conclusion really enjoyed it uh the third act's amazing I in this movie I fucking love this one i want more fear street so bad yeah no me too i mean fuck it give me all the rated r arl stein movies yeah. like it, 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 like do do what i actually wanted goosebumps <laughs> to do in the first place and make some scary goosebumps movies like don't get me wrong the two goosebumps movies we have the two, don't get me wrong the two goosebumps movies we have are are fine they're <laughs> fun I want to be scared. Yeah. I want to be scared watching Goosebumps, you know? I, I want them to be spooky, and those movies are not, you know? Yeah. So it'd be really great to see something like that happen with uh, some of R.L. Stein's other work. But at the very least, yes, please, more Fear Street. Please, Netflix. Please. I know you like to cancel fucking everything that's good, but please, more Fear Street. Uh, and then lastly, uh, we're getting a sequel to Escape Room with Escape Room Part 2, which is coming to theaters. And this basically just sees a bunch of... Uh, survivors of past escape room games being trapped together and forced to go through like sort of a tournament of champions type of thing. Mm. And uh, and yeah, it looks really fun. It, yeah. It looks basically like if you enjoyed the first movie, you're probably going to have a good time with this one. So. Uh, I'm excited to see this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet either, but it does look really fun. Um, so hopefully it will be. But other than that, so those are our releases for the week. So, you know, lots of good stuff there for you to check out. So another thing we'd like to do before we get into spoilers here is every week on Twitter, at our on our Twitter page, at Killer Critics, I have to put up a poll just kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think bait falls? I'm torn between it's fine and never seen it. But since I love sharks, I'm going to assume that people have seen this movie. And so I'm going to go with it's fine. Uh, yeah, so you're actually dead wrong. Um, what? So, <laughs> uh, so, Love It was 17%, It's Fine was 17%, Don't Like It was 0%, and a whopping 66% of people <laughs> have not seen this movie, which, I mean, I guess I expected it to not be as, you know, obviously popular as something like Jaws or Deep Blue Sea or, you know, others we've talked about this month, but uh-huh. uh, to see that 66% of voters had not seen it I was just kind of like, damn! I mean, yeah. it's a it's a it's a decent shark movie. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked that uh, it's you know swam so far under the radar all this time. But <laughs> I'm fucking loving all the shark puns. Yeah, Chris loves and yet hates my puns. I um, do. So <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So I I was a little taken aback by that. So I just want to say, if you're listening to this point and you and you're not gonna listen past our spoilers, like go see this movie. Like yeah. it, it's on Tubi. It's streaming there for free definitely check it out it's a fun film which we're gonna get into in a second here but uh so we always like to get your comments as well on these so these are all from twitter uh first up is at 
R underscore A underscore J underscore R underscore JR. And they say, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember going into it, rolling my eyes at the ridiculous premise, but still giving it a chance and coming away from it thinking it was brilliantly done and that it took itself seriously enough to really sell the idea and have fun with it. Yeah, I have to admit, I am now terrified of tsunamis because, you know, that's our natural disaster we're dealing with this, dealing with in this movie. And that's fucking terrifying. Well, I, I it's don't, I don't think we good thing we, that. we live on the West Coast. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the things that I do really like about about bait is there's a lot let's do shark puns. There's a lot under the surface with this film that I think they handle really well. And it does a good balance of more fun moments and more serious moments. And the sharks are adorable. Cute sharks. Ten out of ten sharks. Sure. Um so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I completely uh, see where they're coming from with this. You know, it, it definitely is one of those films where I think you hear it and you think, oh, this could very well be, you know, Sharknado, which yeah. if, if you're not into <laughs> Sharknado kind of movies, then, you know, this might not be for you. And so you hear that premise and you think, oh, it's probably going to be kind of ridiculous like that. And, 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 you know, to be fair, Bait is a ridiculous shark film, but like, hopefully I say this correctly, like Roger Jr. says, it does really put a good balance into it of there is some really great terror in this movie like there are good scares there is great gore there oh. are there are really good character dynamics in the film but at the same time it's totally having fun and it gets really ridiculous especially <laughs> especially towards the end but it doesn't in such a way that it's just it's a good time you yeah know? it's charming like it's not it could have easily been a stupid film which I would still love, but <laughs> but I know not everybody likes those kinds of movies. But it's a fun, decent movie. So yeah. uh, anyway, thank you, Roger Jr. for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next of us at Run Kyle Run thirteen. So that's Run K Y L E Run, and then number thirteen. And they say I really like the idea for this movie. A tsunami floods a store, trapping people with sharks as a creative plot device, especially with how insane some other shark movies stories are. The CGI is a little dodgy, but kind of complements the B-movie feel. It's definitely a fun ride. Agreed. Uh, look, I one of the things that I do really like about shark movies and the fact that Matt indulges me with watching as many as possible. I don't indulge. I love these movies, too. <laughs> okay, can we just say that shark movies are for me, though? Shark movies are more for you. Yeah. Is, you know, you watch all the setups. And I think it, I agree. What I like with bait is the setup of we're trapped in a grocery store. Um, and I especially like it because I don't like the mist that much. So it redeems being trapped in a grocery store. With You're people. a monster. The mist is amazing. <laughs> the mist is a fantastic movie, but it's not for me. But when it comes to the CGI sharks, look, it's honestly one of the things for me. I know that we're never going to have like, amazing sharks so oh let's let's not hold on here let's not pretend that it's just the sharks all right there look bait's biggest flaw which you know which sucks for it because there's so much of this in the in the beginning in the first act of the film that i feel like it's enough where people might not continue to give it a chance because they might say that oh this is just gonna be awful because Look, digital effects in the first act of Bait are terrible. Like may maybe even <laughs> worse than Sharknado, okay? Like the because it's not just the sharks. Like there's bad shark CGI. Yeah. There's even worse like water CGI. <laughs> there there's like really bad images of like birds and stuff. Like it it's terrible. All right? Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is bad digital effects. And and it's all through the first act and it, and it's you know, this really disappointing because I feel like the film is so fun and really gets going once the tsunami hits mm -hmm. that, you know, there's probably a, there's probably a swath of people that might give up on it before they <laughs> get to that point. So so this is me here saying if you're if you're giving it a shot for the first time and, and you're looking at these digital effects like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> trust me, keep going with the movie. It gets better. And they, even though a lot of the shark effects are digital and pretty terrible, they do use prosthetic sharks at times, and they actually look pretty good. Yeah, so. they look good. They had three animatronic sharks for the shoot. Right. So, uh, so anyway, thank you, Run Kyle Run Thirteen, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is at Squirrelly Dan seventy nine. So that's 
So that's S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-D-A-N and then number 79. And they say, love it because it's a fun, goofy movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. Plus, some of my favorite actors are in it, including Phoebe Tonkin, Karibi Haney, Julian McMahon, and Dan Wiley. I probably said all of those incorrectly, (laughs) but... (laughs) Yeah, this is a good time. I do have to admit, I've been watching Letterkenny, so I'm kind of wondering if the person who asked us this question also watches Letterkenny. Um, Maybe. Because it's Coralie Dan's character. Anywho, yeah, for me, when it comes to the actors, there's only one that I, I recognize, and that's um, Sharni Vision, who plays um, Aaron and You're Next, which I fucking love that movie. But yeah, the cast is really fun to watch. I feel like that's one of the, the big parts of Bait that I would recommend to people is you've got such a good cast, which with really fun and interesting dynamics that... They're just a joy to watch and watch have to fight a shark. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll just add to that. We, we've already talked about how goofy and fun the film is, uh, but the cast is really great. The, the, the thing that I like about them is, you know, they're not everyone's giving the best performance of their <laughs> career, but but that kind of works with the B element of the film, right? Because it is basically, a, a you know, if you like to refer to movies that way, it is basically a B movie. But, but no, yeah, the cast is great. I, I think that everyone does a good job in the role that they have. Even if they're not, you know, giving it their all, maybe <laughs> it ends up working with the overall film because because the film isn't taking itself seriously. So it kind of works when the cast is, you know, maybe not giving the best line readings. <laughs> uh, for example, I mean, Xavier Samuel, uh, our main character, Josh, you know, the film opens with him losing someone to a shark. And let me tell you, the way that he sits on his little motorboat screaming no <laughs> just always makes me think of like and like it's just it's so over the top and ridiculous but it works yeah. it ends up working for the movie like it's charming anyway so thank you squirrely dan 79 for the comment appreciate it and then lastly is a comment from at jeff whitmire one uh hopefully i said that correctly jeff uh so that's j-e-f-f-w-h-i-t-m-i-r-e and then the number one And they say, it's a movie that knows exactly what it is and has fun with its crazy premise. The characters are legit likable, and the movie has heart and some great tension. I'm a sucker for my shark movies, and this one is up at the top. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Like, I think this is my first time getting to watch Bait, and I really enjoyed it. And that's, I guess, for me, when it comes to shark movies, I'd rather watch a B a B-movie shark movie. They're just, yeah, which is why you don't like Jaws as much. <laughs> that's true. The B-movie, they're just more fun. Um, And for me with the characters, what I will say with them is that there's a lot of them that I did not like at the beginning. And I think Bait does a good job of kind of, you know, letting them grow. And I end up liking them by the end. I don't want all of them to die at the end, which is unusual. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's just great writing. The, You know, I, I, I've seen so much talk lately when it comes to film discussions that is so obnoxious where it's like, you know, people just, if, if the, it's almost to the point where it's like, if there's a bad character in a movie, like, I don't mean bad as in poorly written, but bad as in like, they're a bad person. There's so many people now that are like, well, this movie's terrible. The writer clearly thinks the way that that person does. And like all what? this kind of, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, for God's sakes, like, can we just stop? You know, yeah. like, like this is this shit's getting out of hand. I don't mean to rant about this for a brief second, but it's just like we enough. Enough is enough, you know? Like it's okay to have bad characters in a movie, especially when as Chris says, you know, the film kind of gives a chance for them to to grow a little bit. So even if you're not on their side by the end, you know, that's just good storytelling. Yeah. It's just good storytelling to have flawed people who work on their flaws throughout the course of the movie like I do not want to live in a society where I don't I don't want to live in a society where people are perfect and I don't want to watch movies where people are perfect. Yeah. Th- that's boring. Yeah. Okay, so Plus so, you need villains. Well, plus you need villains, but just look, characters should have flaws in movies, all right? And everyone out there who's saying differently, I need you to go ahead and just fuck off forever. <laughs> like I need I need I need you to stop making your comments about films because they're invalid at this point like <laughs> Matt right. has had enough I've had enough I usually don't I usually don't talk like that but 
I need those opinions to fuck off forever and die. (laughs) (laughs) Not the people. The people can live. That's fine. Just stop stop being such an intrusive voice in film, maybe. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, thank you, Jeff Whitmire, one, for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, And you should all go check out Jeff, by the way. He does uh, cool, like, horror spoof soundtracks and stuff like that. So check him out. Um, But anyway, so last thing we do before we get into spoilers is just the tagline versus the film, where we talk about the tagline and the film overall. And so the tagline for or where we talk about the tagline and what we think of the movie overall. So the tagline for bait was a tsunami just flipped the food chain. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is that? Hey, I think it's clever. I mean, it's it's stupid, but it's at least clever. <laughs> you know, I'll I'll give you that, and I think it works to the the B movie quality of this film that we love about it, and that's you know we've talked about it already a little bit. We know where I stand. I like Bait. I think it's a fun movie. Like, I definitely think if you haven't checked it out, you should. Yeah, awesome sharks. Plus, there's a dog. We haven't talked about this yet, but there is a dog in it, and it's adorable. Yeah, no, we can't go, you know, the episode without mentioning a dog. Um, Fuck you! (laughs) I'm just kidding. The dog's fine. It's one of those little yippy dogs. Not my favorite kind of dog. Um, It gives me hope that if we were in that situation, Storm might survive. He wouldn't. He would sink to the bottom the minute he touched water. (laughs) And, I mean, let's be honest. He would swim towards the shark to be its friend. He he, would. He would not live. (laughs) To be fair, so would I, so... Yeah, no, you're, I'm just going to leave you both behind. You're, you're both, I I won't even need to leave you both behind. You'll both just jump into the water and go try to say hi to the shark and get eaten. And I'll just be left there standing on top of the car like, well, I guess I got to do this by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so yeah, no, I, uh, the tagline's fun. I think it fits the movie, which like we've said repeatedly, it's fun overall. Ignore, ignore the bad digital effects. If you're watching it for the, for the first time, just ignore all of that. Do your best. Give the movie a chance. It's great. Uh, so it is streaming on Tubi. Check it out there if you've never seen it, because we are about to get into it and spoil everything. We're going to talk about it as much of this film as we can. So please go watch it if you have not seen it yet. But with that being said, all right, spoiler territory. Yeah. Bates. So as <laughs> usual, who do you want to talk about in this movie? You know, we've got kind of a eclectic cast of characters here with Josh, played by Xavier Samuel, who's dealing with some shark trauma. Tina, his ex-lover. Ex-fiance. They were going to get married. That's still an ex-lover, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, semantics. Um, Jessa, played by Adrian Payne, who owns the convenience store. Uh, and then just a whole, whole list of people I could go through. There's lots of characters in this movie. So who do you want to talk about? So I want to talk about Steven, who's played by, um, I think he's pronounced uh, Yuwu Kui. Sure. Hopefully I pronounced that right. So Stephen plays um, basically the new lover of Tina, who she met when she went over to Singapore. Well, Chris, they actually haven't slept together, so they're not really lovers. <laughs> Is that what he was saying? I really didn't understand that whole part. That was my understanding of it, but I could be wrong. So. I don't know. Their relationship is weird. I don't know if they're best friends, they're lovers. Who knows? Who knows I think, what they are? I think they're best friends where... They about to Steven fuck? wants to get some, and Tina's still like, nah, man, I'm thinking of my boo still. Yeah. Okay, that's valid. But I have to talk talk about him because they did him so wrong in this movie. Oh, uh, Steven gets done dirty <laughs> in bed. They fucking murdered him i need i need to talk about this because like in shark movies a lot of times you have i don't know maybe call it friendly fire accidents where like people get like knocked overboard and they end up dying but it's nothing's really on purpose you know it's accidental manslaughter is it though is it though in other shark <laughs> movies not with steven steven is murder like <laughs> this dude is the nicest dude i fucking love him like he is so ready to be friendly like after the tsunami hits like josh is fucking hanging out on the top of like one of the like freezers mm. and steven's the one who's like swimming around trying to find stuff to help people getting people out of the water and then, like, when they need to go and and turn the power off so they don't all get electrocuted, you know, Josh, you know, being the fucking nitwit that he is, who's, like, bleeding out of his arms, just like, oh, I'll do it. I'll go swim. And Steven's just like, or we can just build me a shark cage and I can, I can walk there and genius, it'll be fine. Yep. It's so cool. It's so ingenious to see them do that. Plus, it gets my favorite moment in the movie where, like, Steven just gets a proper little, like, bump from the shark. 
because that's how sharks investigate. They just bump things. Anywho, I am way off track. Yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about how he was murdered. <laughs> okay, so with Stephen, it gets to the point where he's almost at the breaker, and he's technically run out of tubing, so he takes out his mouthpiece to breathe for, like, five seconds, and Josh fucking reels it back in. No hope for Steven. Just right. straight up murders All him. Right. Chris hates details. She never gives details for people <laughs> who have not seen something. So, look, if you're if you're listening to this point and you haven't seen the movie, they, they realize they have to shut the power off, otherwise this uh, loose wire is going to electrocute everything and set the place on fire. So, so Steven has to go turn off the power. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they build him like a shark cage suit out of baskets and shit like that and yeah it's it's like the most depressing part of the movie because because steven gets over there and oh his whole his hose conveniently is just one foot too short right and so he takes off his little cage helmet to to go turn the power off and josh being the dumbass that he is reels it back in instead of just like letting it drift or whatever yeah so so steven like kind of dies unnecessarily because he can't he can't get up to the surface for air because the damn cage hat right so so uh, you know all he needed to do was let the the hose drift there for a second and then go put it back in his mouth and he he can't be and he can't because josh reels back in so yeah no they didn't even give him a knife to defend himself well, I mean, that's, you know, that's just convenient movie writing, but it's still, but yeah, no, St- Steven gets done dirty. Steve, yep. Steve, the reason I say Steven gets done dirty is because of who I'm going to talk about, because I think that this film is playing a lot with concepts of like karma and, and sins of the past and stuff like that. And Steven is like one of the only characters in the film who doesn't have something to atone for. He did nothing and, wrong. And he gets just fucking <laughs> murdered by these people. <laughs> the nicest man in the whole group. He um, saves their lives and they murder him. Yeah, so so it's, it's just, I don't mean to laugh. I mean, I do mean to laugh because it's just kind of fucking hilarious in a way. But um, So who I want to talk about is Kirby, played by Dan Wiley. And, you know, Kirby ends up being the character who turns out to be the 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 robber the thief whatever the criminal uh who shoots someone just before the tsunami takes over and you know destroys their lives um <laughs> and he and, and and what's interesting about the character for one is you know he he kind of provides a a small twist in the movie because he ends up putting his his robber mask onto a dead body that's floating <laughs> in the water who has and the time so, for that well he had the time for that apparently <laughs> Um, and, and, and it's funny because, you know, he does that and it's, it's, it's enough to not only convince the people in the store that he's not the thief, because of course the thief, you know, could never have just taken off his mask. Um, but, but it plays with a little twist for the audience too, because, you know, some of us might watch this and not realize that he's the killer because you assume like, okay, he probably did drown, right? Yeah, that was me. Uh, yeah, no, I think that was me my first time, too. I, th- I think it did catch me off guard, which it really shouldn't when you look at it, because <laughs> when you listen to Kirby talk, I mean, for God's sakes, he sounds exactly like the killer yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> so, you know, they're not they're not really high. He has a very thick accent. You know, they're mm. not really hiding it very well, but it, it's good enough to, you know, maybe throw you for a loop the first time. But anyway, the importance of Kirby is that this film does have kind of a karmic angle to it where it does deal with good luck and bad luck in a sense you know poor poor steven he just had some bad luck and (laughs) girl gets stolen gets murdered yeah and in kirby's case you know he he has this uh this skull tattoo on his arm with the number 13 right Mm -hmm. and as we all know 13 is an unlucky number and so it, it you know it's interesting because you get the sense that he's maybe like embraced the idea that he has shitty luck but it's ba- but what I what I found amusing is that the the mo- he could have gone this entire film without ever revealing who he really was, right? Yeah. There, there's no need at any point for him to reveal that he was the killer from the beginning. No. He never has to say that. No. And yet, you know, it, but the moment he does and tries to, you know, murder someone <laughs> and put them on a hook and throw them in the water, because why not, you know? The moment he decides to do that, 
he gets his comeuppance. Yeah. You know, he, he immediately gets killed by Doyle, played by Julian McMahon, you know, who just ends up, like, fucking hooking him in the chin and throwing him in the water for the shark, you know? So, so I just find that interesting, because we're going to get into more of this, but it's just, like, there's this constant theme all throughout of people who immediately get what's coming to them <laughs> once they do something terrible, and or almost immediately. Yeah. And, but especially this idea of, you know, people dealing with traumas and sins, and mm. there's all of this, like, hell hell and God talk, right? <laughs> but the last comment I just want to make really quick on this, just referring to number 13, is a long time ago, just, you know, I don't believe in these kind of things, but there are moments where I'm like, but maybe, because a long time ago when I was a kid, probably, I, I don't know if it was because I was a horror fan or not, but mm -hmm. for some reason, I thought it would be cool to make... 13 my number like my lucky number or whatever <laughs> and let me tell you i have had the worst luck in my life ever since <laughs> well no shit i don't i don't have a 13 tattoo on me it's tattooed on your soul but it's tattooed on my soul i've yep. used that number for like over 25 years you know so <laughs> so maybe maybe there is something to the bad luck of 13 i don't know <laughs> 13 just gets you killed just gets you killed but yeah. anyway i it's a thing I find really interesting with Kirby as a character is, yeah, to your point, he could have gone and not revealed anything. But even in that moment when he does reveal that he's the killer, I feel like the actor does a really good job of playing in such a way that he has this line where when the detective, when the detective Todd, who's played by um Martin Sachs, you know, tells him, you know, everything will be forgiven. We'll work this out afterwards. And he has this line that he says so shakily of, I killed a woman. There is no coming back from that. And I think the way that he delivers it really kind of exemplifies something that we see in this film. And that's all of our characters, all of our main characters we spend a lot of time with, all seem to kind of have these dark, traumatic pasts and these dark things that they're really dealing with. And I kind of want to know... You know, what were your thoughts on the fact that everyone has a history, every single character? Well, I just think it's the major theme of the movie because, you know, it, it again, it's, it, you know, it, it's decent writing to have characters have something like that. You know, like we, we always want a reason to relate to people. Mm -hmm. And look, it's always easier to relate to someone who has a flaw than it is to someone who's just great, you know, yeah. like. Like, uh, you know, I, I always use, like, the Superman example where, like, Superman does have his flaws, right, that, that you know, that are worth discussion. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you look at Superman, you're like, oh, cool, guy who can fucking jump up in the sky <laughs> and fly so fast they can spin the world off its axis, you know? Like, yeah. fucking impenetrable to bullets and, and the one thing that hurts him <laughs> is on a fucking another planet, right? You know, so, like, you, you look at that and you're like, okay, I don't directly relate to Superman in a lot of ways, you know? Uh -huh. um, but you look at a character like... You know, Josh, who's dealing with this trauma from from witnessing the brother of his fiance, you know, get eaten by a shark and he thinks it's his fault. Right. Mm -hmm. You have. Yeah. You have Todd, who, you know, is caught up in this criminal escapades with with Kirby. Right. For mm -hmm. whatever reason that I don't know that we ever really truly find out something about his brother. Yeah. Uh, Jamie is, you know, struggling with the fact that her, her mom passed away and she wasn't there for it. Right. You know, you have all these characters that are dealing with some kind of like minor or or great sin in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it ends up playing into just kind of the the whole overall theme of the film, um, which is present in a lot of ways. You know, like so for for one, which is kind of a corny one, but I think it's there, is mm -hmm. that there there's obviously a huge uh, oceanic theme to this, right? Like even the con you know obviously the tsunami, but even the convenience store itself. Uh, is very oceanic themed. Like you have all these like pirate ship wheels and yeah. <laughs> you know references to that. It's a very very coastal convenience store. Uh -huh. And again, this is corny, so <laughs> I apologize for, for I the love, corniness of I what I'm about corny. to say. But you know, you have all these people that are basically drowning in their problems, right? Ah. And and you kind of <laughs> you kind of look at the setup of this movie, and the you know one of the biggest threats is the fact that they are indeed drowning, right? Yeah. So like you know they're 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 threatened with the suffocation of <laughs> of water and drowning, and 
And who knows, like, maybe all those other people who drowned, including that seven-year-old child <laughs> with the balloon, maybe they were all terrible sinners who had a reason to die, right? Damn. Like, like maybe that little girl is just an asshole. <laughs> kill her. Just um, kill the kids. But 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 aside from that, like, all these people, they're dealing with these problems that they're drowning in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so I think the water's kind of representative of that. But then I also look at the sharks in the sense that, you know, the sharks almost seem to be representative of kind of their their different traumas that they're dealing with right yeah so like you have josh who you know he and he's our main character and he ends up killing not one but both sharks right in epic action movie style in epic fashion like to a degree where it's like the movie the movie doesn't want you to just assume that maybe josh is over his problems Mm -hmm. the movie wants you to be like no Josh kicked his problems asses. Like, Josh stepped up. He action dove into the water and shot his problems in the fucking face. Oh, that that kill where he shoots the shark from underneath and just like blows its brains right. out is fucking epic. I like the taser one where he like jumps up into midair and hangs down like backwards from like a rafter and just shoots the fucking shark with a taser well, but then i have to watch a shark get tasered for like a minute <laughs> and it makes me I, sad i mean i mean yeah the, th- the thing with that kill is like you know it, it, josh's actions are epic but the actual death of the shark itself is, is more sad than it's it, really sad and it is like cool you know because because mm-hmm. to me the look on the shark's face is like Oh man, I just wanted to hang out. You know, I just wanted to say hello. Like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just jumping up to say, "Hey, Josh." <laughs> like, especially because like they had just fed the shark, so the shark's just like, "We're buddies now, right?" right? He's like, Thank you for feeding me. Like, you <laughs> no, know, that shark does not sound like Donald Trump. He, okay, Wh- whatever. He sounds. He, he sounds. He sounds like King Shark. Whatever you imagine King Shark's voice would sound like, that's what it is. <laughs> he sounds like that. But no. But he ends. Uh, you know, they they end up kind of representing that in a sense, and. I want to talk more about the sharks, but I was also quickly throwing because, you know, I love to just throw a bunch of random things at you people. Um, Is that, (laughs) you know, going back to kind of like the karmic element of it and Mm -hmm. and sort of the whole trauma thing is that, you know, Jamie herself, she even has a line where she says something like with their whole tsunami thing, life saying, screw you. How are you going to run away from this? You know? And that's kind of how I view it is like it's like all the if you look at it in a final destination kind of sense, mm-hmm. it's almost like all of these people have been trapped in this convenience store mm-hmm. because they are all these people who refuse to deal with their problems. And it is kind of like karma in life forcing them to be like, hey, yeah, time's up, motherfuckers. Like yeah. you either get over this or you don't Yeah, that's <laughs> make a, your choice. That's the same thought that I had while we were watching this film is I was torn between this is like the soap opera of horror films just because I don't know of about that. I don't know. I just because of all the of soap the- opera of horror films is interview with the vampire and all those and all those whiny gothic vampires. I will say that I love interview with the vampire, but I'm just saying <laughs> no, no, no. soap operas aren't always about like being whiny. You have to have the epic moments and the fights and all that kind of stuff. So sure. The, so the <laughs> fact that like Doyle fucking like spear knives Kirby at the end, that's very soap opera. But no, I'm I'm with you that like, you know, this this movie definitely feels like everyone's trapped there for a reason. Yeah, for me, the way that I really kind of like kind of speaking to the sharks is I feel like they are the physical embodiment of our characters' grief and loss. You know, a lot of us have been through kind of those rougher moments. We know what it's like. You do feel like you're drowning and sometimes you feel like you're just circling around. And I kind of feel like you know, there's that moment in the movie where I want to say it's it's Naomi asks why the shark's just like circling around them. And that's kind of how I feel with this film. All of these characters, they're just circling and they're swimming around and they haven't been able to like figure their shit out and find their way. And oh, it takes a fucking shark. Oh, I don't I don't think it's the characters that are I you're you're almost <laughs> we're almost in agreement here like i don't damn it this movie has a very clear message and i'm still missing it <laughs> no 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 just because i have a different opinion doesn't mean you're missing it i just mean like you know I, I, the, the sharks are the problems that are circling them yeah. I, you just you just said something like the characters are circling around and i you know it's the wording the wording's <laughs> wrong so. which is what we normally argue about um no but but i think i think that that's dead on in the sense that you know the, to me, the sharks are representative of their problems, you mm-hmm. know, 
and the fact that they are circling them and always kind of with them, you know, just underneath the surface of their minds, right? Just like constantly stalking them and hunting them and, and you know, traumatizing them and whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think one of the best examples of that actually is uh, the couple that's in the parking garage because, <laughs> you know, they're they're in this car that's underneath water, right? And they're just sitting there watching this giant shark circle around their car and they end up being this couple that has like, you know, that, that has all these like kind of little issues bubble to the surface, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you find out that the dude, you know, lied to her about buying her three hundred dollar Gucci's. <laughs> uh, my Gucci like, you know, she's so she's so offended by the fact that her Gucci's are fake, which yeah. I guess I get it, but I've never been that obsessed with a brand name before. But um Maybe it's the but- act of lying. No, well, sure. I mean, the active line is bad, but she very clearly is obsessed with the fact that her Gucci's are not real Gucci's. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, the the couple we end up finding out, they, they have a very shallow relationship, right? And yeah. and and to me, that shark is kind of like it, it, it's kind of like um, you know, that shark's almost like the end of their relationship, <laughs> just circling just, them. just circling them and waiting for the chance that's going to strike and. And they're going to realize, like, oh, shit, we're terrible for each other, you know? Just <laughs> waiting for Kyle to be a douchebag, like throwing the dog to the shark. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that he gets almost instant comeuppance for being an asshole and a dog murderer. And then the dog survives. Like, yeah. he gets comeuppance not for actually killing a dog, but just for the mere thought. Well, I mean, that's how karma is. You know, karma doesn't just punish you for, like, really, you know, obscene acts like murder. You know, mm-hmm. it, it punishes you for even just the attempt at murder. <laughs> so. Can I just point out that I feel like this is the one reason why Steven did not get attacked by the shark when he was in the water? He has no no grief or loss that's circling around him. It just bumps up against him and goes, oh, no, you're a good guy. You got your shit together. I don't got to torment you. Yeah, probably. He He's the, other than the people who get killed by the tsunami, he's the only person who does not die at the hand of sharks. Right? <laughs> so, uh, no, he's straight up murdered. Well, kind of that note, like, you've mentioned it a couple of times before. Like, do you really think that, like, the tsunami and the sharks is, um, God or Mother Nature punishing our characters? Oh, 100%. I, I, go, <laughs> I, I go even further than that. So How, I don't <laughs> think you can go further than that. But I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, no, yeah, first of all, okay, so you have, you have Julian McMahon playing this character, Doyle, who, you know, I, I, I don't recall if he's religious. I, he kisses something that he wears around his neck. I'm assuming it's a cross. I don't remember actually seeing a cross, but, mm-hmm. um, but I'm assuming he's religious to some degree because he, he is kind of like, you know, so some films that are maybe a little more on the nose with things, uh, which bait is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, s- some films have these characters where they're, they're, they're very representative of the theme. Like their their main goal, their main purpose is to sell you on the theme of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, LL Cool J was kind of that character for us in Deep Blue Sea that we talked about last week, and, and Doyle is that character this time around, where he has a few lines in the film uh, that center around sinners and God, right? So 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 one line is you know he says Mother Nature saw to all of these sinners down here, right? Like referring to all themselves, mm-hmm. and then. At another point, he also says, let the devil take your hand and God will make you pay, right? Like, so <laughs> he's not, it's not very subtle on no. the theme. Like, <laughs> the film is very clearly making this attempt to be like, all of these people have in some way sinned or wronged. And, and it doesn't just have to be, you know, that they that they did something to someone else. So, like, in Josh's case, you know, Josh is not guilty of the death of the brother right like Mm -hmm. he didn't kill him a shark did it's not his fault what josh is guilty of is you know is going inside of himself and kind of you know just ruining his life and at the same time affecting others right so like that that's not to you know that's not to put blame on those of us who who deal with mental illness, who, who do shut ourselves out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and blame any of us for that. I do the same thing with a lot of, with, with things that I deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, but the film in a sense is kind of saying like, Hey, don't do that. 
Yeah. You know, like don't don't shut yourself off from the world. Don't don't be Josh. Don't <laughs> you know, don't 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 throw away the good things in your life, the good people in your life because something bad happens to you, you know? Yeah. Like obviously that's terrible and we don't you know, it's easier said than done to to have something like that happen and then just deal with it. You know, a mm. lot of us, almost none of us just deal with it, right? Like, yeah. it takes time. Yeah. But but the film's main purpose with that in referring to some, in, in referring to that as a sin, it's not necessarily a sin. It's more just to say, like, don't do that. That's not mm-hmm. the way to live your life. Go live your life. Don't, 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 don't hold yourself accountable for things that aren't your fault, right? Um, see, that's why I don't really see it as, like, like, I know the movie is trying to get at this whole, like, punishing people for the mistakes they made, but I kind of view it more as a purgatory situation, where it's not necessarily, like, a punishment. It's definitely not a good situation, but, like, if the characters make good choices and they move past their, their traumas and whatever, they're going to be fine. As we see, most of our characters, you know, get out of this get out of this just fine. It's just, like, there are one or two who continue to, like, be selfish then Mother Nature's like, well, okay, you, you're going down. Except well, for Steven. Steven was perfect. Well, but that's what purgatory is, right? Like, mm-hmm. purgatory, you know, purgatory is kind of like the place where it's like, you know, I- I'm not super religious. So, like, yeah. I'm probably... Neither of us are. So, I'm probably going to get this wrong. But, like, to me, purgatory has always been the place of, like, okay, you're not you're not quite evil, mm-hmm. but you're not quite good either. You know, you're yeah. kind of, you're kind of like this caught in between sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't quite know where you belong and, and maybe God or the devil don't quite know where you belong. <laughs> right. So, so to me, yeah, I think you can view it as purgatory. Like, you know, Doyle's out there talking about fucking heaven and hell because those are the really, you know, those are the, those are the heavy hitter symbols, right? Like those are yeah. the symbols that, really hit home for us what we're talking about here mm-hmm. and and in a sense this is closer to hell than it is to heaven you know like yeah. the way that i kind of look at it is that you know you have you have this sort of middle ground right where all the characters are mm-hmm. for the most part and, and to me that's purgatory they're they're trapped there with these sharks which almost to me are kind of like they're kind of like little demon guards, you know. Yeah. They're like they're like little demons that are that are kind of there. Where like if you get out of line or they decide where you belong, they eat you. We you get know? to eat you then. Right. You, you turn out to be a bad sinner. We're gonna fucking eat you. So yeah. so so they're kind of like these almost like guards in a sense, right? These demonic guards, mm-hmm. and these people are in purgatory. But then you also have the lower level of the garage, which I do kind of view as a little bit of hell because. Aww. Um, Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying that everyone down there is a sinner. Yeah. But, you know, you you look at the characters, you look at the you look at at least the couple that's down there, mm-hmm. which, you know, they're the main characters that are down there. Y- you look at them that are down there, they're not sinners so to speak, but they're they're toxic. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're you know, they're they're a toxic pairing, right? Mm-hmm. So they're so I don't know. It, look, None of this stuff is ever perfect. Like I I always say, you kind of have to, if you want to make a point with something, you kind of have to take what you need and and forget the rest, right? So, like, so it's not a perfect representation, Mm -hmm. but there is sort of a sense of, like, you know, heaven being out of the garage and being back on top, you know, where they're not fucking facing sharks and and facing drowning. Purgatory is where most of them are at, and then you kind of have hell beneath, right, where everything is sort of dead. So. You really got to fight your way out of it. And I mean, you know, th- this is stretching it, but there's also points too, like very, very few, but there, there's a moment or two as well in the film, like one in particular where there's kind of an angle where everyone is standing on top of their shelves or whatever in the, in the quote unquote purgatory level. <laughs> and, and there's kind of like vague cross imagery. Like it's not, it's not quite perfect because there's another line that goes through the cross, right? But mm-hmm. but it just it just sort of struck me as like, okay, we're talking so much about heaven and hell and God and nature and all this crap and sinners, you know, that it seems slightly intentional that there's like vague cross imagery showing up here. Only you would <laughs> notice a cross in a shark movie. Yeah, because <laughs> I love crosses. Like, I don't know. No, because you uh, analyze films. Yeah, sure. I mean, I again, it's very vague and doesn't mm. quite work as a cross. It just sort of like it just sort of struck me after so much sinner talk that it's like, 
all right, there's kind of a cross there. Yeah. It's not, per- it's not, it's not as on the nose as talking about sinners, <laughs> but it's kind of there. Um, so, so last thing, you know, one thing that does kind of stand out about Babe is that for as violent as the movie is, for as gory as it is, for, for as many people that do die in the film <laughs> as there are, uh, there's actually quite a few survivors. Like There are so many survivors. Like a surprising amount of people survive this movie. And they all also happen to be, for the most part, some kind of relationship, you know? Yeah. So what's your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts on the fact that not only do we have so many survivors, but most of them are kind of like this romantic interest on top of it? So, I don't know. I guess if we're getting biblical, you could go with the whole Adam and Eve thing. Everybody's got to be paired up. Well, I, I mean, I don't know about that, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe. I mean, look, the, the, look, not to interrupt you, but I mean, sure, I wouldn't say Adam and Eve. I would more say Noah's Ark because no, you know, Noah's Ark was that whole thing of like, let's get all these pairings of animals so that they can reproduce after this great flooding. Right. And well, what the hell is made but a great flood with a bunch of pairings that survives. <laughs> right. And especially like, look, I think the relationships in this film are really interesting because they hit a lot of different notes because, you know, this whole episode we've been talking about like, you know, grief and loss and processing and, you know, dealing with the toxic elements of your life. And out of the relationships, a lot of them are toxic. Like you've got the 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 two blondes in in the basement, um, Kyle and Heather, who are mm. clearly not in a good relationship. Well, that's why that one doesn't make it. Yeah. Well, also he tried <laughs> to sacrifice her dog. So exactly. I <laughs> am. Um, but then you also have like you can look at the relationship between um Jamie and I want to say his name is Ryan, the boy who also works at the store who gets fired. No, that's not toxic. What's toxic about that? Well, so I don't think that that one's a toxic relationship. But you know, Jamie's at the center point of two relationships: her romantic one with Ryan, and then the relationship with with her dad Todd. Mm-hmm. And both of them we're starting to see the souring of the relationship because Jamie won't deal with her loss, her loss of her mother uh, okay. and we, processing through that. Yeah. Well, cause we kind of get that at the, the beginning that both Ryan and Todd are trying to help her, but because Jamie's not willing to recognize or help herself, it's starting to become, it's not toxic, okay. but we, starting. These are different versions of it. Those, those aren't toxic. No, to me, those are that's not a toxic relationship. That that's different because look, the, the difference is that the couple in the basement—I keep forgetting their name—Kyle um, and Ky- Heather. Kyle and Heather. The, the difference with them is that they're a shallow relationship. Yeah. You know, our our introduction to them is they pull into the parking garage, and and Kyle has brought them there just to fuck, right? Yep. Like that's that's how we meet them is that they're just pulling in this garage to to fuck, and then they're gonna like, I don't know, sit there on their phone and whatever, like you know they. <laughs> They they're not an interesting couple. They 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 they're a very shallow based relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And they're shallow people. Like you get the sense that you know Kyle might just Kyle might not even really like her that much, and he's just with her because she's cute, and she's very like obsessed with you know brand name shit, and Kyle gives her that shit, and you know so there there's not there's not like love there. No, <laughs> it does, it no love there. And, and if there is, we don't get a sense of that really in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So the difference with Jamie and her relationships is those are the ones that are really being tested because, you know, that's why she's in that purgatory level, right? Uh-huh. Is that that's what's being tested. Is there is she's having it tested that, you know, can she and her dad overcome the issues that they have, be, be, you know, resulting from her mom's death? Mm-hmm. Can she and her boyfriend, who I also just forgot the name of, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan can, it, can they get past... You know, can she get past her issues enough to to make their relationship work? Like, yeah. can, can she atone for for having cost him his job? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Ryan, like Ryan ends up being in the hell level because he because, you know, he's just unfortunate enough to have been there because of her. Right. Yeah. But the difference is he is fighting to get to her just like she wants to get to him. They love each other. Yeah. You know, like their their love for each other is very clear. They fight for each other. So, yeah. so that that's I, why I don't view it as toxic because, you know, because there there's actual like real love there mm-hmm. and there's actual real like emotion and depth there. Unlike the other two <laughs> who 
don't really have any of that, you know? So. No, I agree with you. Toxic wasn't the right word with them. Like, like basically, you know, it just, the way I view it is that all of the relationships that survive the movie uh-huh. are the ones that, are the ones that push through the problems, you know? Like, like Phew. if you look at it, like, they are all these relationships where the characters grew and kind of pushed through the problems between them. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately for Steven, in, <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in Josh and Tina's case, they kind of needed, in a sense, for Steven to be out of the picture. They had to murder him. <laughs> but, but they still atone. Like, they, mm-hmm. you know, Tina, Tina still tells, ends up telling Josh, you never needed to, to not be with me. Mm-hmm. You know, you just needed to accept what happened. Yeah. And Josh eventually does by becoming a hero and and facing both of the sharks murdering right? them epically right and, and every and everyone else all the couples they are you know all all the relationships they end up they end up bonding and kind of repairing things a bit you know maybe not to the point where it's like everything's fine now yeah but they show progress so then I'm, I'm curious your take on um doyle and um naomi's relationship because they're also a romantic couple at the end yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> and nothing happens with them. There is no reason why they should be together. Like, I, I like... Well, I disagree. Uh, what? Well, look, I mean, okay. They're, should, should they be together in a sense of, like, they have to get married? <laughs> no, no, they're not. No, I, I don't view it that way. What What's going on there is, like, you know, in... Is it Naomi, right? Yeah. In, in Naomi's case, I Naomi strikes me as a character who's just lonely, Naomi, yeah. Naomi strikes me as a character who is looking for love, right? Mm-hmm. And like we kind of get that sense in the beginning. So, so I don't know. Maybe she finds that in Doyle for whatever reason. Like you know, I'm not. You pulled me out of the water. I love you. I mean, hey, look, I'm not going to judge. <laughs> like they they might be a relationship that doesn't last forever. You know, that's yeah. fine. That, that that doesn't that doesn't mean they have to be punished. It, on Doyle's case, though, you know, to me. She he has that conversation with her of like was was that girl who died someone you know right mm-hmm. to to me that that's the beginning of Doyle atoning for what he's done that's the, yeah. that's the beginning of Doyle showing guilt for what he's done mm-hmm. you know so so like look are are you know are they the perfect relationship no there there are plenty of relationships that happen out of you know dire situations like that where people come together because they were in you know some sort of horrible event right yeah. and, and maybe it doesn't last forever maybe it does but so i don't think there's anything wrong with them coming together no i uh, just think that there's no point in the story where you're like yeah i get why these two like each other it's literally just like hey i'm a Jew by myself and you're a girl by yourself and i rescue <laughs> you out of the water do you maybe want to make yeah. faces at each or, other or if you want to look at it in a more positive way jamie found someone who cares about her in whatever way, right? You uh-huh. know, and, and that's fine. Uh, or not, Jamie, uh, Naomi. A- and Doyle found someone who makes him a better person. <laughs> like, you know, like, like that's the way I think to look at it is, you know, we don't know what Doyle's life would have been like had he gone on like this and, you know, had Kirby lived, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so maybe Naomi's effect isn't enormous, but, but on the other hand, maybe he you know, has found someone that is going to keep him grounded and is going is that's going to make him want to be a better person and not do this kind of stuff. I mean, that's fair. Me personally, I just thought that they were like good friends and then when there's that moment where like Kirby takes her, I'm like, Are we are we doing the the threatening the loved one? I mean I mean look, there there are a couple that like I, I would not have been upset if either of them died, right? But no. but um but I but again I think just to fit the theme of the movie is that the movie is really, for the most part, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's punishing the people that aren't willing to grow, yeah. that aren't that aren't willing to be become something different, right? Uh-huh. And so, so I think that's why they ultimately survive. And then, you know, I do think it's interesting to think of it as kind of a Noah's Ark kind of thing, where <laughs> you know they're all just grouped together like a bunch of animals to go <laughs> fuck and reproduce afterwards. <laughs> like, wait, like, does I, that I, mean Todd the dad gets Heather? Because they're the uh, only available ones after everybody else gets paired up. Sure, why not? You know, good for him. I mean, he's <laughs> you're never too old, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> you can be too young, though. <laughs> uh, but, <Gross. laughs> 
Yeah, man, I, I almost feel like I ruined this movie a little bit in, in, in putting it in such a religious light, but... <laughs> uh, just remember, this is a shark movie. In it for the sharks. Yes, exactly. Um, but all right, so we got to st- <laughs> start wrapping up uh, this religious sharks debate. So uh, who is your killer death in Bates? Uh, so for me, that goes to Jessup, the store manager, because dude gets attacked by fucking vent spiders that don't even look like spiders. They're fucking weird. What do you mean weird. they don't look like spiders? Well, they look like spiders. They have eight legs. They're like all white and they almost look like they're from the ocean. They're well, they weird. Pro- they probably are ocean spiders. Do you ever think about that? I don't know. But it's also said in Australia. Australia will fucking kill you with eight million different kinds of spiders. Yeah, that's why I don't want to live in Australia. Everything would kill me. Yes, it would. <laughs> I have have friends in Australia that are probably... (laughs) We just, if Matt goes to Australia, we just need to keep him in like a hazmat suit the entire time. Fuck a hazmat suit? I want to be in a fucking suit of armor. That's fun. And I want a giant sword. I want a broadsword. You cannot cannot have a sword. A shield and a suit of armor with chainmail and everything. Otherwise, I will not feel safe walking through the wilderness of Australia. (laughs) You realize that you're just like becoming like a grill. Like, you're just going to, like, die in the heat, right? Fine. And then I'm going to grill hot dogs on your dead body. Fine. At least I die on my own terms, and I don't have to face fucking, fucking, uh... A spider's still going to crawl in your suit. At least I'll die on my own terms, and I won't die by fucking albino spiders, (laughs) you know, throwing me into the jaws of a fucking shark. You know, at least least I'll have that. I'd rather die of heat stroke (laughs) than that way. Fair enough. I'm going to I'm going to grill stuff on your dead body. Fine. I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm providing for all of you then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also going to put some spiders in your suit. Uh, I also said Jessup just because I, I love the, the image of him hanging there and then getting bit in half by the shark. And then right? his, and then his corpse just hanging there <laughs> with this look on his face of like, oh, I've wasted my life. You know, yeah. like that. It's just such a perfect death because I, I love that moment where Doyle tells him like, about the irony of the fact that he was probably just going to continue busting his ass at this shop as the manager forever, right? And mm-hmm. one way or the other, he was going to die there. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's how I view it, you know, which is why I say, like, hey, you get one life. And, and look, not everybody has the privilege of doing the things that they love to do. But, like, if you have the opportunity or the chance, like, at, at, least, at least like the work that you do. Try, yeah. try to find work that you like to do, you know, because – Chances are you're gonna die there. You're you're gonna die having done that job at some point in your life, right? Like not not all of us are gonna make it to retirement. So no. so you know, try to try to be happy with with what where you're you with where you're gonna die at. So, <laughs> what about your killer idiot of Bates? Fucking Josh, because he killed Steven. Idiot. Yeah, so we're on a roll here. I I also <gasps> chose Josh for that exact reason. Yeah, and yeah. Now I don't know if I can quite call him an idiot because I do think that. Well, I don't really think this, but it, you think he of, did it on purpose. Part of me thinks Josh did it on purpose. Yeah. But part of me is like Josh fucking murdered Stephen. He didn't <laughs> even try to like get as far to the edge of like the shelving that he could with the tube, like oh, or yeah. like rig oh. up anything. Oh, he could have hopped to the next shelf. He could have done something. He could have he could have hopped to the next shelf and provided him extra length. Also, that's all he needed to do. Can we talk about the fact that there was another breaker which they used to explode out the front door, like so much closer? Listen, we when it came to Stephen, we forgot that that breaker existed. All right. Like, yeah. so, so, oh, Stephen, you have to go to the further one. Something Chris and I noticed is that this movie is very unforgiving to Asian people. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not calling the movie racist, but. Steven and but then Jessup the, but die. When, but when the only Asian people in your film, one of them being the nicest character in the movie, yep. meet horrible ends, I don't know. You know, maybe there's maybe some, consider something. Maybe there's something there. I don't know. But <laughs> but and a, and a bunch of shallow white people walk out the front doors. You know, I, I don't know. There's yeah. maybe something there. <laughs> but but anyway, who was your killer MVP of Bates? The sharks. I also put the sharks. <gasps> yeah, we're three for three. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, look, the the sharks the sharks are adorable. Right? Like the sharks the sharks are, you know, I I don't know if it was I mean, look, I I'll admit. I watched one of these screenings, maybe just a tad high. And <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know if it was because of that. No, it's not because of that because I I felt the same way uh, the other times I watched the film, but 
every time I see the sharks, I, I just imagine them talking in like the King Shark voice, you know? Yeah. Like I imagine them going like, food, <laughs> hello, <laughs> you know? Friend? <laughs> Friend. Like, you know, just, just over and over again, like these sharks, they just have these faces where I'm like, I want to hug you, but also you might eat me. <laughs> you totally get how I feel all the time. Yeah, it's, uh, look, the sharks are great. Uh, aside aside from the awful digital sharks, which, you know, are endearing in their own way. I still like the digital sharks. Um, I, I wouldn't say like is the word I'd apply to it, but but they're endearing in their own way. Um, but look, the, the sharks are otherwise, you know, they're, they're fun. Like, they're, you know, they're just fun sharks. Like, I, I really, I really like, uh, and I also like that the film does do things that, you know, are a little bit more accurate to mm-hmm. how sharks work. I mean, obviously, some things aren't accurate, like the fact that that great white on the second floor is just eating all kinds of people, you know? He's got to get yeah. full at some point. Um, but but including the things like the bump, you I know, and, bump. And, and stuff like that, like that, you know, that's that's cool. You don't see that in a lot of movies. Yeah. So It's a nice reminder, which I really appreciate because, like, you know, the downside with a movie like Jaws is it promoted this idea that sharks are mindless killing machines. And they're not. They're very smart, charming animals that like pets. And it's the thing I really like with bait is it does balance the fact that these are animals who aren't inherently evil. It's just that they're apex predators. And if you look like prey... They're gonna fucking eat you because that's their job. Now, look, I do want to throw out there, since I know this is going to come up a lot because of Jaws and, and, you know, we talked about Jaws and this, but Mm -hmm. I do want to throw out there because I, you know, I I always, I always, I always feel weird about this concept. I, as a horror writer myself and a horror fan since I was three years old, I don't think that films intentionally do any of that, you know? So when you say stuff like Jaws promoted you know, the idea that sharks are evil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Jaws didn't promote anything. Jaws made a scary movie about a shark. Yeah. And, and people took with it what they wanted, right? So, yeah. So, like, you know, it was never Jaws or Peter Benchley's or Steven Spielberg's intention for Jaws to just, like, make people hate sharks. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's, not, that's, that's usually not the intention of any of these movies, right? So, like... You know, like Rosemary's Baby is not out there to be like pregnancy's bad. You know, like it's not. You know, hor- I'm only mentioning this because I'm still a little bit raw about a time that I pitched a, a studio exec once, where I pitched a horror film that involved a surrogacy, mm-hmm. and and she had used the surrogate before in her life, and you know, told me that I was demonizing it, <laughs> and I just wanted to. I, I didn't say this to her, but I just wanted to be like. No, I'm writing a horror movie about a potential scary situation that could happen with surrogacy. Like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to say surrogacy <laughs> is bad, you fucking monster. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just it's just I I just wish that like, you know, I just wish that we understood that sometimes and that it's just a movie. It's yeah. just a movie, people. <laughs> I'm so let's not take these things so seriously all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it was Jaws's intent for any of that. But sharks are awesome, and they're our friends, as long as we're respectful to them. Sharks are awesome, and they are our friends. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, well, they're not everybody's friend. They do eat people still, but <laughs> they're mostly our friends. But anyway, so that's going to do it for us on Bait. So hope you enjoyed that. Next week, we will be talking about The Shallows, uh, which I, I don't recall if that's streaming anywhere, but definitely check it out if you can. I think it's worth the rental. I enjoy, it's fun. I enjoy that movie. Uh, really excited to revisit it, actually. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so that's going to do it for us on Bait. And so hope everyone had a good time. And yeah, that's it. So I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm Chris. And have a good night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night. Horror fans. <laughs> <laughs>